Hello and welcome to another INMA podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 44. In this episode, we speak with Jeremy Collins. Uh, Jeremy Collins has worked both in television, feature, and video games, and is currently a senior animator over at Blizzard working on World of Warcraft. Uh, he's worked on such films as Tangled, Alice in Wonderland, and Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs. I'm really looking forward to speaking with Jeremy because his background covers quite a bit, as I mentioned, TV, films, visual effects, and games. And so it's always neat to see where these guys have come from and what they've learned along that path. So let's bring him on. All right. Yeah, there you go. Cool. How's it going, man? Very well. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. It's always nice to get the guys I deal with online here and uh, actually in person. So yeah, very cool to meet you. Yeah, that's a trip, right? (laughs) So how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. I appreciate you be willing to join me this late. So. Oh, man, this isn't late for me at all. Okay. Like, I'm up to like 2 in the morning this oh. night. <laughs> <laughs> I had class last night until 1230. Are you like, serious? Yeah, because there's nine people in my workshop two class, so uh-huh. I never do like 15 minutes per person because I'm always like messing around with their files and stuff, so... <laughs> Yeah, it went from 8.30 to like 12.30 last night. Oh my goodness. That's the beauty of uh, our live classes, that you guys are able to open those things up and uh, kind of run through it with the students. So that's way cool that you do that. Yeah, yeah. I always prefer that to like drawing over their shots, just because sometimes it's hard to communicate exactly what I mean just by drawing. Yep, yep. Very cool. And I'm not the best drawer. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, um, first thing I typically like to do is just kind of get behind the, the, the animator there, you know, the artist, and kind of just see where how you got to where you're at now. What, you know, what was your path, where you're from, um, how you learned this craft, and uh, where, you, where you've kind of, where that journey's brought you through. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm originally from New Jersey. So. Um, this boy. Yeah, East Coaster. I spent uh, yeah my first 18 years there. I went to college. At, at the time, it was called the uh, Ringling School of Art and Design, but yeah, now yeah. it's the Ringling College of Art and Design. That's down south, isn't it? It's in Florida, yeah. Florida, yeah. In Sarasota. Yeah, so I went there for four years, and it was, um, it was really cool. Uh, it was a formative experience for me, I think. I mean, like, I learned a lot about Maya in general and just, like, animation and art, all-around art. So it was really cool, and I enjoyed it, and uh, had a good time, and I made some great friendships. That's where I actually met Dave Gibson. Oh, uh, okay, very cool. We Dave is from Sarasota, and we um, hooked up at uh, we became friends like sophomore year of college. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I did a podcast with him a uh, sometime back last year, um, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that's right that he is good friends with you. I said I'm gonna have to get you in on a podcast. And yeah, here we are. Okay, very cool. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've known each other for a really long time. And we've been fortunate enough to work with each other for a lot as well, too. So that's. Would you really work with cool. him on? Uh, Dave and I worked together at Sony for a couple years on um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Okay. And we worked for a little while in this movie called Arthur Christmas. Yeah, that yeah. It was like uh-huh. an Ardman film. Yeah. Uh, and then he broke off of that and went on to work on the Smurfs, and I stayed on um, Arthur Christmas. Okay. And then we went our separate ways again, and now we, we worked. He's been at Blizzard for the last like year, <laughs> so, so I see him. I lunch with him today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like so, uh, yeah. So I'm originally from New Jersey, and then I went to school in Florida, and then uh, I came back to New Jersey, and I kind of didn't. Uh, I left school. Um, an okay animator. Not okay. actually, no. I left school a pretty bad animator. Um, <laughs> I had learned a lot about kind of um, being a generalist, uh-huh. and I, I knew my, I wanted my focus to be animation, but I still wasn't very good at it. 
so I got home, I was sitting at home in New Jersey, and I have um, I know you have a big family. I have four, I have four sisters, four oh, okay. younger sisters. Uh huh. So uh, I didn't want to hang out with my sisters <laughs> all summer. <laughs> I mean, they're cool and all, and I like them, but uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like, okay, so now what do I do? Right. I just spent all this money on an education. I should probably, you know, do something with it. <laughs> and luckily, too, like in college. Uh, my sophomore year, I got to intern at um, Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, cool! So that was awesome. So that was back when, before they even moved to the Presidio, which is um, where their new location is. Uh-huh. It was like the old, like Star Wars location wow. where um, they used to um, is in San Rafael, California. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, they had like all the old model stages still there, and Very people cool. were still making physical models at that time. <laughs> this was like two thousand and two. So um, they were making the second Star Wars movie while I was there, and they were also making Men in Black 2, I think, okay. at the time. And it was really cool because we got to go through the whole um, animation intern training program. They had this, um, this guy, Dave Sidley, who was like their instructor, and um, they actually had animation trainees there at the time that were going through the program. But since me and this other guy, Kenny, were interns, we did the same thing that they did, even though we weren't like officially, like, you know animators at the company we were just there as kind of interns gotcha um it was awesome it was like a whole they had it all set up where like you would do a shot with the t-rex from um jurassic, jurassic world Park. like yeah, busting okay. out of that like little um i don't know thing that he comes out of that uh-huh. little like, garage door that he comes out of <laughs> and then it, it kind of culminated in a sh- you did a, a a um a dialogue shot with wado from uh, the Phantom Menace. Okay, that yeah, kind yeah. Of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no cred, it's only mine. <laughs> Whatever he says. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we did we did that, and that was awesome. And it was cool. This was the first time I was like really like living on my own. I was in San Rafael by myself. I was actually my the, the apartment I was staying at was this woman who was kind of like a, I guess she was like a philanthropist for artists. She was like an artist kind of like enabler. Okay. You know, like she liked art and she liked San Rafael. And so she would just like help out people that needed a place to stay. And she lived like right in downtown San Rafael. And I was like, this is great. So how, cool. did, how would she get in contact with artists then? I, yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, that year my dad had passed away. It was, uh, it was a total bummer. And um, obviously, yeah. but uh, that's an understatement. But um, somehow um, some contacts of my friends knew somebody out in California and they knew this lady that I stayed with. Okay. And then I don't know, all the wires got, you know, connected together and I ended up getting in contact with her and she just let me stay rent free at her place for a summer, <laughs> which was really nice. Particularly in that area, huh? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had a real nice house too. It was great. Um yeah, so I did that. That was one year or one summer. Um and then um I had done some other stuff in Manhattan. Uh, I worked at a company called Quiet Man for a summer, which mm. is like they do um, – I don't know if they're still around anymore, but they did TV spots, like CG Super Bowl TV spots. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I did a lot of that. And then after I got home from school, I was like, okay, what do I do now? Uh, I don't have a job. Like all my other cl- – not all my other classmates, but a lot of my other classmates had left Ringling with like job offers. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get one. One of these days, <laughs> it's going to come rolling in. And it never came. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> So I went home, uh, kind of discouraged, but I'm like, I'm not one to kind of like sit around for very long. I got to like be doing something. Uh-huh. So I just took off. I pack. I had a Ford Escort. It was like a really horrible, horrible car. 
Um, and I packed it full to the brim. Like I couldn't use my rearview mirror because it was just like it was all the way up to the ceiling. And with all my stuff, like my computer and whatnot. And I just drove out to California. I have um, uncles that lived in um, Tustin, California, which uh-huh. is actually I live down the street from them right now, which yeah. is really weird. <laughs> but um, I stayed with them for like a couple months. And I was like, can I just like camp out at your house in your guest room and like send out reels because i always wanted to like be in california because i knew that's where all the jobs were and i wanted to be like okay well on my resume i have like a california address yeah yeah, yeah. seemed like it'd be a lot easier to like you know score a job if i was actually out here local local right yeah yeah and they were like yeah sure no problem and then i think towards the end of the summer they were like time to get an apartment <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Famous last like, words, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. And then, uh, I, I'm, and like, I think they were probably like assuming that I was going to be like out, like clubbing and doing the nightlife or whatever. But I'm just sitting at home like this yeah, <laughs> on your computer. <laughs> yeah, like trying to like you know, I'm just animating shots in my spare time and all that <laughs> other stuff. So, so that was a fun summer of just like adding to my reel. And then uh, I just kind of shotgun blast my my demo reel everywhere, and I got a call back from this company called Blind in L.A. They were like a boutique motion graphics company, and they did 3D work for TV. And they were like, hey, we need somebody to do work on this Buffy the Vampire Slayer stuff. And it was like um, they were doing reruns on TBS. Okay. So I came in, and I did everything. You know, I worked with a team of people and I did everything for that short. Like, I'm, there was one thing where you had to, like, you do, like, a pan through the bathroom stall in uh, Buffy's high school. And there's, like, these tentacles coming out of it. And they had to kind of, like, writhe around. And I had to model them and texture them. Rig it. Rig it. All that stuff. But in, in the TV, you know, like, the kind of TV zone, whatever you call it, uh, it's all really super fast. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like long nights and just like bust it out super quick but i got really good at like doing a good enough job you know to like make it work uh-huh. and i think like i really appreciate that experience because like i feel like it, it's helped me later on in my career you know like not get pigeonholed sometimes you get those animators that are like they they left school or they learned on their own but they went straight to features and they're just used to like taking like three weeks <laughs> on like you know like a 50 frame shot and just like mm, it's all super polished <laughs> and that's cool and that's awesome but like i didn't have that experience as my first uh-huh. game. i had go 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 was like you know what we had to do yeah so um yeah so that was just it started in motion graphics in la and my name got kind of passed around and i did a lot of really fun interesting projects um and then from there, at one point, I don't know how, somebody had gotten a hold, in one of my real shotgun blasts, um, somebody had gotten a hold of my stuff, and I got a call from um, the studio called Omation, and they were making a movie called Barnyard. Yeah, 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 okay. In San Clemente, for, in California. Uh-huh, for Nickelodeon, right? For Nickelodeon, yeah. yes. okay. And, um, and, they, and they were doing a thing where they were having cleanup animators. And I was like, what is a cleanup animator? Because it's a... You know, it was a 3D animated movie. Yeah. And they're like, well, basically, we want you there for, like, overlapping action. They were kind of treating it a little bit more like a traditional production where the, like, animators, the full-on animators would do, like, the gross body motion uh-huh. and, like, any sort of, like, secondary or overlapping action we would do as a cleanup department. Okay. And we'd fix things like weird penetrations or it was kind of, like, almost like a tech animation slash animation cleanup position. Okay. But that was really cool because I got awesome at overlapping animation, <laughs> animating udders and like tails <laughs> and ears and stuff like that. So see that um, udder motion right there? That's all me. That's all me. Yeah, yeah. All those udders, those are all me in that movie. Uh, 
But so cleanup was really cool, but I wanted to be an animator, mm-hmm. you know? And so after about a year of doing cleanup and living at the beach, which was awesome. San Clemente is awesome. Oh, great God, area. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I one day accidentally, I'm, I'm, for all those listening, I'm doing air quotes. Right <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally had a, like a walk cycle I was working on for uh, one of the background characters uh, on my computer as the animation director was coming by. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, what's that? And I was like, oh, oh, don't worry. No, don't look at this. This is just a little something I'm working on <laughs> in my spare time. And he's like, let me see that. You know, he took a look at it. And I was like, and I just kept, after that, I just kept bugging him. I was like, please let me be an animator. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we'll give you a shot. And the first shot they gave me was like, I panicked because it was, there's this part where um, all the animals have this like, like as soon as the farmer goes to sleep, like the, the barn becomes like a nightclub. And so the first shot they gave me was like this pig bartender who had like an apron on. He like hits the wall and this like bar kind of like Murphy bed folds out of the wall. And there's all these bottles that have to like rattle. And then every animal from the barnyard like rushes the bar to get a drink. That's your first shot. That was my first shot. There's like chickens flying in. There's like a horse that does this weird slide up to the bar. And there's like pigs running in and sheep. And I'm just like, I'm, that's it. Someone that was my career as an animator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, I got it done, and they liked it, and I just kept getting shots. And for the last year and a half of that production, I I got to stay on as an animator. It was awesome. I learned a ton. But way to take the initiative, though. This accidental uh, walk cycle that you're working on. You're, I mean, that was taking the initiative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, I don't know. I try to do that where, wherever I can, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Um, just drive out to California. It'll work out. You know, yes. just do something <laughs> on your own. Do some animation on your own. It'll work out. Uh-huh. Like, that's it's done pretty good for me so far. You know, so I think I'm going to stick with it. There that, you go. <laughs> I love it. And just even recently, you working on that shot. I saw you post on Twitter um, with our Marty character. Oh yeah, just yeah. Working on your own. I love that shot. It was great, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that started out as just um, a demo in class. Oh, really? Yeah, because I do the like. In the last two classes of my, my workshop, Games Workshop 2, Advanced Animation Techniques, yeah. Animate. Sponsored uh, by. <laughs> sponsored by. <laughs> uh, I do lip sync, like a oh, demo okay. for two okay. classes. And I just basically work for those two classes and oh, talk awesome. while I'm working. And um, it's, it's, I like it because it's not something that you see a whole lot in games animation mm-hmm. because it's mainly relegated to cinematics animation in games. But... Um, I work so long in features, and I know a bit about lip sync. I'm like, might as well just kind of like impart this onto the class as well. It's a That's little awesome. kind of like refreshing thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of my favorite classes to work on too. It's so fun because I don't I don't work on much lip sync at work anymore because I'm in game on WoW. So you know we do some lip sync on the emotes, but it's not it's never to dialogue. It's always kind of like Godzilla dialogue where okay. <laughs> you know you're, they're talking and and you know, you know it's just like a speech bubble above their head kind of. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, it's fun to do. So that started out as a class demo, and I was just like, you know, I, was, I like the way it was headed, so I just yeah. kept polishing it. Basically. Oh, it had some just great acting choices. It was very, it felt very nice and weighty. Um, oh, yeah, it was, I thought it was really cool. We'll, we'll make sure we uh, post it in our podcast notes here. Yeah, sure, cool. That'd it's just great. blocking still, though. Yeah, <laughs> not, it just you done. can still fill it within that, though. That was nice. Okay, yeah. cool, thanks. So yeah, hopefully um, you can get this done by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, I'll hustle on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then after that, it was just like, I kind of just got into features. So after Barnyard, um, I would always, like, sometimes you have downtime in between projects. So I would 
like lean on TV and I'd like go do the good thing was is like by this point I had gotten such a network of like people that I knew in the LA kind of TV scene that I could like kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do uh. which was really nice so like people would be like the the TV scene and especially with 3D artists and animators is really weird because they have this whole thing called the hold system where they say, oh, we, listen, we have this project coming up, and we want you on hold for these two weeks. So we, they've got a first hold. And then uh, somebody else can come along and say, oh, we need you for those same two weeks. And they have the second hold. And then if there's a first hold and a second hold, they can challenge each other. And it's like a bidding war for you <laughs> for that week. It's really weird. Huh. Um, I wasn't a super huge fan of it. I just wanted to do the stuff I wanted to do. I didn't uh, really care about holds or whatever. So I was at the point where I could just kind of like, oh, that's a cool thing that I want to do. And I know those people that are working on it. And I really like their art. And I really like working with them. So I'll go do that thing. So I would do that in between like bigger feature projects. And okay. then eventually I got on at Sony for Beowulf. And I worked all the way through Beowulf. And they liked what I did there. And I got on to I Am Legend after that. And I worked all through that. And they liked that. And then I think I might have taken a break and then cloudy came along uh. and i was on cloudy for almost the whole production or if not the whole production that's cool and uh yeah cloudy became open season two on dvd and a bunch of other mo- i mean i've worked on a bunch of movies yeah and cloudy is one of my favorites that was where sony kind of really started pushing that style yeah what do you, what were some of the things that you learned with cloudy obviously that was a very different style kind of that hit and hold were yeah. there any challenges that you had to learn from that? Did you find it actually pretty easy? Uh, maybe coming from a uh, television where it, you know, you didn't get a ton of overlaps and and uh, and things of that nature. Or what were some of the the pitfalls you came across with Cloudy? Uh, Cloudy was like another one of those formative experiences for me because it was like up until that point I was pretty much a pose to pose animator. You okay. know, like they teach you in school, like get get your main golden poses in there and then break those down further and further and further. Stay in step mode until you're ready to polish and then mm-hmm. go into spline. And so I was like that, but Cloudy was all about layered animation and I was introduced to it for the first time because okay. our supervisor Pete Nash was a huge layered person. He started with the root of the character and kind of got that working and then just made everything else. Well, if the root's doing this, then the chest has to overlap by a frame, you know? And so he would kind of like build from the inside out, Hmm. get his animation in there. And it wasn't like golden pose here, golden pose here, golden pose here. It kind of like evolved. It was like you were adding layers and layers and layers onto this like cake he was building. And it was really cool. And the big kind of like artistic at least for the animation team, the big kind of artistic influences were definitely like UPA animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Gerald McBoing Boing and uh, Mr. Magoo, stuff like that. Um, definitely uh, the Muppets were a really big influence on that movie's animation style too because a lot of times they kind of became these like rag dolls. <laughs> you know, when Kermit goes, Welcome to the Muppet Show! Ah! Yeah. <laughs> you know, and his arms kind of go all over the place. That was a big... That was a big one. And you also, too, on the rigs could um, hinge the head from the top if you wanted to as well. It wasn't just the jaw opening. The top of the head would also <laughs> open up like a Muppet. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I learned a lot about that. And just um, that was – I got a lot of – I was lucky enough to get a lot of really fun character performance shots in that film. Up to that point, I hadn't done a ton of it because Beowulf was a lot of – like I did a lot of background – um, animation that started as mocap and I had to kind of adjust to like make work. And I am legend was almost all entirely zombies that I did. So it was like zombies jumping on cars, zombies getting jumping over a banister. 
in a house and running up the stairs. Uh, it was a lot of that physical type stuff. Uh-huh. I hadn't done a ton. I mean, I did a little bit of it on Barnyard, but I hadn't done a ton of like performance stuff. And right. luckily, I, th- they trusted me with that on, on Cloudy, which was great. I was originally slated to go on this movie that they were working on called G-Force, which was about... Um, it's about like hamsters? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was Disney, isn't it? It might have been a Disney movie, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it was like about like secret agent yeah, hamsters. hamsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that sounded cool, but it was a live action movie and I really wanted to work on an animated feature again. And um, I did a test with scratch dialogue with um, Sam Sparks. Okay. I still remember it. It was um, – she said something like, uh, I can't believe I'm the intern. And uh, yesterday I was the intern. Today I'm a reporter for GNN. I'm Sam Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> she gets like real close up to the camera. And it was – I think it was Melissa Sturm or somebody at Sony. It, was, it wasn't It was Anna Ferris yet. Oh, okay. I don't think they had cast her for the film. So it was just scratch dialogue. And I remember I stayed up for three nights till 3 a.m., <sighs> each night working on that test and I still only got it to like blocking plus. So it was, it was splined out and I was lucky. I had my buddy Alan who I graduated Ringling with. He's a, he's like supervising animator over at Sony. Now he's been there since we graduated Ringling. Oh yeah. So he's been in everything since open season, Goodness, which is incredible. Yeah. 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 And I was lucky. I had him kind of coaching me through it and he knew the style really well that they were trying to hit. So I was doing like really quick transitions and then like long moving holds and then another quick transition and then another moving hold. So it felt really kind of snappy and that UPA style. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd actually done that layered animation style as well. And I showed Pete the blocking. He's like, yeah, come on, work on the show. That's cool. It's great. Um, yeah, we our crew. See that Dave and I talk about this all the time. That crew on that movie was so fun. We had a we were all in this room called fourteen oh three. At that was just the room number at Sony, and everybody in that room was awesome. Very cool. And we had we were all learning from each other, and we were all basically at the same point in our careers. And it was like it was one of those great experiences. It cannot be duplicated. Because I, <laughs> I know um, Dave Harden was there, right? Yeah, Dave Harden sat on the other side of my desk. Okay. Okay. So, we were under a big tiki hut. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And then get Dave Gibson sat next to me. And then, yeah, there's a bunch of people. Claudio. Um, De Oliveira. Yeah, yeah. I know he yep. was there during that time. Yeah. So, yeah, we've some of these guys have been our instructors throughout the, the our season here. So. Oh, did he work at I? Did he work uh-huh. at yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, Both Claudio the guys. and I were in, um, when we worked on Tangled, we were in this room called the Pi Lab. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was like me, Claudio, this guy, Ron Smith, Joel. Um, there's a bunch of people. Zach Parrish. Okay. We were all in this. It looked like a piece of like brie. You know how you get those like little cheeses and they uh-huh. come in that like that pie shape. <laughs> yeah. And it was it didn't it, it wasn't an office. It was a lab room where they had like scanners and stuff like that. But they needed animators for Tangled, so they cleaned out that office and <laughs> stuck funny. us all in there. And it was so hot. But <laughs> it was um it was cool though to be so like close to those guys. Now, did you go from Cloudy to Tangled from there? No, um, I did Cloudy, and then I did Open Season 2, which was, um, it was like, we were working remotely for Real Effects, okay. who was doing the movie, but like, since we had done Open Season 1, they just hired a bunch of us Sony animators to work on it. Okay. So it was like an, a Real Effects movie, but we were almost like working out of Sony. It was really weird. Mm. I only did that for about three or four months, so I only have a couple shots in that movie. And okay. then, um, no, after that, I went to, uh, I think I left. And went to Naughty Dog okay, for a summer and did um, Uncharted 2 cinematics. 
and uh, worked with those guys, and that was a really fun experience. But they, that was a crazy crunch. They were looking for, like, they needed to get that game done, <laughs> and they needed people to help them do it. <laughs> um, so I did a test for them, and, they, and then they called me up and, and hired me for a summer. And then I had already had um, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland set up, mm. so I went back to Sony for that, and then did that, and then Arthur Christmas. No. I did, sorry, I did Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, then I went to Disney for Tangled. Okay. Then I came back for Arthur Christmas. Okay. So I've been, like, to Sony, like, on probably four or five <laughs> different occasions <laughs> uh, throughout my career. Now, your time with Disney on Tangled particularly, I know, obviously, Glenn Keane was a, a big, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, asset to that movie. Yeah. What were some of the things you learned during your time there? Oh, geez. Um... Well, Glenn was awesome. Uh, working for him was like, you know, truly inspirational. Mm. It was just so cool to have him there and available and like looking at your shots every day. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I think the thing I learned the most on Tangled was about appeal, like how to make an appealing pose and like what creates appeal in animation in general. Um, there was a lot of that. My workflow changed when I went to Disney. I went back to step for that. A lot of the guys were doing kind of like a stepped approach. So I um, I would break down things to like twos in okay. step mode. And I would basically have like a finished shot and step. Uh-huh. But so when I hit spline, it was like very little to clean up, which mm-hmm. was really nice. Um, but they were also hyper-focused on creating appealing poses and like when Rapunzel looks this way, we should bring this scale, this eye up a little bit and then scale the other one down a little bit. And so that, so that oh, there's if you just tilt the head this certain way, you get a little bit more appeal out of the pose. And it was just, I was just learning every day mm. and he would do these drawings and you just like leave them at your desk and you just go and just like slide them into a box. <laughs> like, ah, oh, that'll be mine. <laughs> uh, so it was just so cool to see, you know, and they gave you like a, a, a huge style guide that had just tons of like beautiful, uh, Glenn Keane drawings in it of Rapunzel and just like in different kind of like poses that showed her character like what she was like and it was awesome it was like once in a lifetime experience That's for sure. a, yeah it's amazing what were some of the things that you felt and I don't know if you could even describe it without maybe having something to draw on but what was it some of the things that you guys learned that this is what is appealing or how would you define appealing based uh, upon your geez. experience um, it depends on the character, you know, okay. there were things like small things. I mean, if you wanted to get really technical, like we would do things like, um, when Rapunzel was smiling, Glenn would always tell us like, if you're, if, if your character is like smiling a lot, instead of keeping the teeth kind of going straight up and down, mm-hmm. bend the teeth to match that upper lip line of the smile. And it just looks so much better that okay. way. All like, right. It's one of those things that's like appeal is really hard to teach because it's so kind of like esoteric. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you don't know. Uh, it depends on the character. It depends on all these different things, you know. But he would have like these little like gems every day like that that you just go like, <laughs> oh. I'm, and I ever since then I do it on almost every character gotcha. I pose now, you know, like I'm always turning those teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why I asked that question because it, for me, that's, you know, if you, this is obviously a process. And that's one of the reasons why I love animation so much is that you never feel like you arrive. And from uh, 
in your case right now from game to game or from your some of your past from show to show, you're always learning something. And so for me, I'm always kind of thinking, okay, what did I learn at this time here from either, whether it be even just a shot to take to my next one? And so, yeah, that's why I was kind of asking that question because, yeah, as you mentioned, that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to work with, under someone like Glenn and going, okay, what did you as an artist take from that time that has shaped you as an artist? That yeah, I mean, you are kind of like the sum – you are like the cumulative bag of experiences right. you've had in your life, you know. So everything you do, you just kind of like take on to yeah. the next thing. You're constantly adding to this like mound of yourself, your uh-huh. personality, you know. <laughs> so, but the other thing that I like to stress, and I t- try to tell my students this as well, it's just like you're not better than anybody else. There's things that I can learn from every single person that I've ever worked with. Mm. It's not all good advice, but a lot of it is, and it's like. If you kind of get stuck in that whole ego thing, oh, I'm only going to show my shot to senior animators because uh, I only value their opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not a good way to go about working. Yeah. Uh, everybody will have interesting things to say about your shot. It's always good to get everybody's opinion. And, um, you know, like a junior animator who's just learning can still impart some sort of wisdom that you may be able to learn from, you know? Mm. Um I think the, the, the real struggle is just filtering out the good and the bad, right? Yeah, yeah. You get notes on your shots all the time. A lot of times you get like what I would call like lateral notes. Like it's your opinion not really going to push the shot to be better or worse, you know? You have to learn how to like filter that stuff out. But once mm. you do, like everybody's opinion is valuable, you know? Yeah. So I try to just stay humble about that like all the time and just not uh, only listen to people who's I admire or, you know, I think are, are better than me in animating. Right, right. You know? Um, you've transitioned into games. What was you obviously had some experience in that, as you mentioned during your time at Naughty Dog. Was there was this a, a conscious decision to go into games, or that just kind of what happened after some of the features you're working on, and you just really enjoyed it, and, and you've been there, or how did that work for you as a career? Yeah, you know, I'll be I'll be completely honest. Um, my transition to games was completely lifestyle based at the beginning. Uh, I wanted to go into games because I wanted to have kids. Um, I wanted to be a dad, and I didn't feel like I could do it in the film world. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know, like um, film is awesome, and I know a lot of really great dads that work in film. But I was just getting um, tired of the kind of the long hours and the we need this now, we need this now, we need this now. And there's still a lot of that in games, but it's much more a marathon than a race. So you're kind of like, there are these smaller goals where like, we have to get to this. And then once that we get a little break, whereas in film, it was like race, 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 race. So, um, I got a little tired of that. So I had been a gamer my entire life. I played games since I've, you know, the Atari 2600. Right on. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I just kind of, I looked at it as like a different challenge, Uh you know, and it totally is because games more so than film or TV animation is really a, a, a real blend of the technical and the artistic, Mm. you know, like there's a lot of art in there and there's a lot of like understanding how games work, how to like implement animation into a game engine. Mm -hmm. And I was always kind of a big tech person. I always liked doing that stuff. I'm a bit of a, like a workflow nerd, kind of like Kevin Rucker is. We're big on like, Oh, how can we like map our hotkeys so that (laughs) we our our hand doesn't travel half a foot over the keyboard? We can just keep our left hand where it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that stuff a lot. Um, I'm just into that stuff, and I also kind of wanted to prove to people that, I mean, this wasn't my original intention, but 
I think a lot of times games animators get a bad rap because they're like, oh, you're a games animator. There's like this like there's this weird unspoken classism in animation where it's like, oh well, film is at the top of the heap, and then games and 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 TV are at the bottom, and I don't necessarily think that's true. I've met a lot of really good game animators. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I work with a lot of them. And my whole thing is, it's like, it's just a different way to tell a story. So, yeah, we have to break up our animations into cycles, and they're shorter, and you don't get these big performance shots. But I find that a challenge. You know, it's like, how can I, how can I make this appealing and tell this quick action story mm-hmm. in... 45 frames yeah yeah as opposed to like 450 frames which is what <laughs> i was used to before so it's just a different thing and but i love it man i mean i've been i've been at blizzard for i'll be it'll be five years in july that's and awesome I, I couldn't see myself anywhere else it's just like the best company and uh i love wow and it's just fun to come into work every day and just do cool stuff all the time that's great that. yeah you mentioned kevin rucker he i've got to meet him quite a few times and he's a great guy i'm meaning to actually get him in on a podcast but i remember him going over to blizzard and i don't forget how long he's been there now but he's mentioned he just really loves working there so yeah yeah that, that's always a good sign for a company yeah he's he and that's him too he's like a perfect blend of the technical and the artistic he's really yeah. good at both things and um yeah, it works like 10 feet away from me. <laughs> <laughs> throw something at him, huh? Yeah, I'll throw something at him. I'll tell him to get on the podcast. There you go. Okay, I'll get him in on one. Yeah. Because uh, now what what are you working on? You mentioned something was recently announced here. Yeah, so the release date for Legion got announced Okay. Uh, August 30th. Okay. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to put it out there, get it out there to the world. Okay. Uh, we kind of demoed it at, at BlizzCon last year, which is our like convention for all our games. Um. And yeah, so we just uh, we got it out there, and and it's kind of a continuation of the story that that uh, where we left off on the past expansion was called Warlords of Draenor. So um, yeah, a lot of new stuff coming. I don't know what's out there, so I don't want to say. <laughs> that's that's good enough. Yeah, we don't need it's to get you out, in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get him on a podcast. And yeah, now you mentioned yeah. BlizzCon. I've never been to anything like that. Oh really? Yeah, pretty pretty insane. Oh, you should go, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like. It's awesome. It's just awesome to interact with the fans of uh-huh. the games that you work on. That's great. Um, and it's just really cool to just kind of see everybody's. You get like, like charged up by everybody's enthusiasm. That's so cool. Because we have this like, it starts off and there's this big like opening ceremony, <laughs> and uh, the CEO of Story and Franchise, Chris Metzen, is like, "Is everybody ready to learn <laughs> about <laughs> the new stuff that's coming out?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah we're so stoked!" So. Um, <laughs> It, like the opening ceremony, just like you can, the, the it's like there's like static electricity in the air afterwards. Like it's electric. Everybody's just so stoked to just like play games and like talk to other their guildies in World of Warcraft or see the people that they play games with. You know, the other eleven months out of the year. Uh-huh. So it's just a really cool time for us to like interact with everybody and kind of like just. Um, I don't know, kind of embody that kind of Blizzard spirit. Now, that's kind of unique, you know, as we're kind of talking a little bit about the uniqueness of games. That's kind of a neat thing, then, that you get to do, I think, a little bit differently in regards to your user base, I guess. More where you're saying you get to kind of interact with the actual fans of the game you're working on. Yeah, it's like a different kind of satisfaction. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, you get, when you're working on a film, you get a lot of satisfaction out of your mom seeing your name roll by in the credits. You know, like, that's really cool. That was yeah. really cool for me. The first time she saw it, she was like, my mom hasn't seen, like, 
99% of the movies I've worked on, but <laughs> she's seen a couple of them and she's, you know, I've been there with her when she saw my name come by, you know, it was cool. Yeah. It was awesome. It's like, I did that. I worked on that. That will forever be on DVDs and it's in an archive somewhere, the yeah. original print. Like you can't take that away from me. With games, nobody looks at the credits of games, right? Like I'm in the credit of every World of Warcraft expansion since Cataclysm, but nobody looks at the credits. It's, uh, <laughs> I understand. It's totally fine. Um, where the, the satisfaction comes from meeting them right. at BlizzCon and like, you know, we'll do like signings. Like people want your signature on things, and I'm just like, I'm just an animator, man. That's pretty cool, <laughs> like, though. Yeah, it's cool. It's really, it's a really fun feeling. Like you, it makes you feel very important and very kind of like, um, like you're a part of something bigger, which is nice. Uh huh. I, re- I really like that feeling, and um, yeah, and you know, we work the playtest areas at BlizzCon. So like, part of our experience of BlizzCon is not only just going showing up as fans of our own game, but it's also like showing up and like interacting with the fans that are playing your games. Mm. And if they have problems, you can be like, hey, check out this area. Oh, maybe you forgot this or, you know, <laughs> all this other stuff. Um, it's just really super cool. Yeah, yeah. very cool. They really like it. Okay, so these are some of the things that you're, you enjoy in regards to this realm here. What are some of the things that you find challenging? About games? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, and it could be in a good way. Like you mentioned, it's it's a technical aspect of, of yeah. animation here, too. So, Yeah, the technical aspect is definitely a challenge because, well, okay, well, here's a challenge, right? So when you come from film, you're the rock star as an animator, right? You're playing the solo <laughs> to Eruption from, Eddie, from Van Halen, right? That's you. You're Eddie Van Halen every movie that comes out, right? Because everyone wants to know who the animators were on Cloudy with Chance Meatballs or or whatever, right? Uh Um, When you go to games, you know, obviously it's still cool to be a a, a games animator, but um, the designers... more with everybody than... Right. It's definitely a more collaborative... Team player, yeah. Because within the film realm, you're kind of like, you're that piece of the puzzle, and once your piece is done, like, that's it. It moves on to another piece Mm -hmm. further down the factory line. In games, it's like everybody's collaborating together, but the person playing the Eruption solo and Van Halen is the designers, Mm. right? Because, like, one of our core tenets is, like, gameplay first. Like, uh, you know, that's the most important thing. If you don't have a fun game to play, no amount of pretty pictures or awesome animation is going to make that game any better, Uh right? And that makes absolute total sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little bit of a change, because when I started first working in games, I was like, okay, well, I'm done with my animation. Like, where's my party? (laughs) I'm just like, "Uh, you don't get a party anymore. (laughs) Uh, It gets to go into the game, and you get the satisfaction of knowing people are enjoying it. Uh Yeah, that's cool. Um, You know, we're always struggling with, like, responsiveness, you know? Because when you press a button, there's the expectation of an action happening, right? So you can't spend a lot of time in anticipations to combat stuff. Mm-hmm. So we try to just keep it as snappy as possible, but still tell the story that kind of needs to be told in that like little 30, 45 frame block that we're doing. Because after you see it a bunch of times, it's really hard to keep things looking good when, you know, we spend the most amount of time on World of Warcraft on our runs because you're running constantly <laughs> in the game. Like that's all it's, you see it 99% of the time there's combat Maybe ninety percent of the time, but there's combat and there's there's especially if you're playing an, a role playing server, an RP server. There's a lot of like emoting and and we and dancing. We do these really fun um, dances for each of the the player characters. But um, 
keeping that run looking good and interesting, even after like 30, 40, 50 cycles of seeing it, you know, loop in front of you is definitely a challenge. You gotcha. know, I'm always conscious of that stuff and, and, uh, it's tough. Now they these are based tough. solely for the PCs for world of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. So, not uh, consoles at all, right? Yeah. World of Warcraft is only a PC game. Gotcha. But um, Diablo, there's a console version of Diablo for okay. Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, PS4. Okay. But World of Warcraft almost has to be a mouse and keyboard game. There's so much going on there that we have more inputs than like a controller could really probably handle there. So yeah. is there any issues then with your job in regards to uh, – okay, let me back that up a little bit. Okay, if you're, if you're developing for a console, you know you're hitting X specs. Mm-hmm. How do you do that within a, 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 P, a computer environment where the specs could vary greatly? Does that make it a challenge for you as an animator or for your duties? It doesn't really affect animation so much as okay. it does just kind of like uh, we have to build um, – we just have to have the capacity to have sliders that allow you to kind of like increase and de- decrease the visual fidelity of the game for okay. people with different hardware. Okay. So, you know, if you have a lower end card, you can turn off a bunch of stuff like, uh, you know, like reflections or um, AO, ambient occlusion, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And then if you have a nicer rig, you can pump all those sliders up to the opposite side. Okay. So but in terms of animation, we it doesn't really affect... The fidelity of the animation isn't affected by the hardware that you um, bring to the table to okay. play the game on. Yeah. Okay. Now, you've been teaching with us for quite a few workshops here. What have you been enjoying about teaching? Teaching for me is just like, I guess it's a way for me to kind of just like spread my kind of like passion for animation. Like I'm super passionate about it. Like I love coming to work every day. I love, <laughs> I have this like routine where I'm like constantly looking at the web. Like I, I get to work with my coffee. I drink my coffee. I answer whatever emails need to happen. And then I have this like, basically kind of just real quick run through of the web that I go through and just see what new animation stuff is out there. Uh Maybe it's Twitter one day or maybe it's like Facebook one day or whatever, but I just try to subscribe to as much stuff as I can so I can just see what the world's got to offer that day for animation. And that gets me inspired and kind of pumped up to work when I see people's work that I admire. Mm -hmm. So I want to just admire something every day so that I can use it, <laughs> fuel me to keep making cool stuff for the uh-huh. game. Because it's it's I, it's easy to slide into that like, okay, well, um, I need to do another run today. I've done 700 runs. How do I make this interesting? You make it interesting by finding something that that you can do in that run cycle to improve you or make you better nice. or see things or do do it a different way than you're used to doing it so that you don't land in the same kind of pacing and the same kind of poses that you're so used to falling back on mm-hmm. and having that inspiration that I see every day is like part of that. So I just love spreading that to the students. Gotcha. Right. Because hopefully the good thing about my career is that I've done a lot of stuff and I certainly, I don't think anyone in the animation community would say this. I certainly have not had it easy. You know, <laughs> like I've had to work for every meal that I've gotten and I think people like being around other passionate people. Yeah. And that kind of fanaticism for animation spreads. So if you bring that into the classroom setting, it's great to see people like like the other night we were doing review and somebody had this part 
of their animation that they were having trouble with. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, well, what if, you know, like in midair, they grab the rock and they like yank it one way. And the, you just saw this like light turn on in their head. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, I could do that. And then I could do this other thing and do this other thing. And like, oh, oh, the pose would look like this. And I'm like drawing stuff on top. And he's like, yeah, 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 just like that. And so I love seeing that passion in other people and I'm just like spreading it out there. That's Very my cool. number one thing. It's a totally selfish reason. Like <laughs> I, I like doing that. That's really fun. You know, and then I just love the community, like, at the school that we've kind of created. Other teachers, like, I know a lot of them personally, and especially on the game side, and even on the feature side as well. Everybody is really cool, for the most part. And um, I like being a part of that stuff, you know, being a part of a school where we teach, you know, the highest level of animation to students who want to learn. Yeah, yeah. It's fun for me. Was this your first go at teaching here at iAnimate? No, it wasn't. I had done a couple smaller things. I had helped a buddy out at LCAD, which is the Laguna College of Art and Design. Okay. I had done that for a couple classes for him and kind of like subbed in for him and did a, a few lectures. And then I don't know if you count mentorship at work, like teaching, but I do a bunch of that as well. Like gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Just like sitting with like junior animators, talking about their work. It's informal, right? It's not like we don't have this like structure set up for it. It's just kind of like helping the new guys kind of along get up to speed yeah yeah but in terms of like formal teaching like especially over the web i had never done anything like that okay i got into it because just this past year 2015 i started doing a lot more like speaking about animation yeah yeah i'd gone up to um migs which is a montreal Montreal. international game summit and done a talk about layered animation and creating cycles for wow and uh met rick Uh uh-huh and then just kind of hit it guy, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's awesome too. <laughs> and uh, we hit it off, and from there, just uh, I t- told him I was interested in teaching. He was like, "Okay, let's do it." Awesome. And uh, from yeah, from there, uh, just got. I think this is my fourth block. Yeah, yeah. School. Now, okay. Right now, and I taught class zero and class two for a while. That was fun, and yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm just class two. My my good buddy Sebastian is doing class zero this block. Actually, he was at our last podcast interview. Yeah. And uh, he was actually one of my uh, fellow students when we were doing the feature class. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that's very oh, cool. cool. It was neat to have him back. Uh, I hadn't seen him since classes and stuff, so it was really cool to interview him. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. Oh, so that was all, a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you guys were in the same class again. Yeah, that's when we crazy. first started, opened the doors for iAnimate. So yeah, first like literal first block, first first class. I had uh, oh, wow. Mike, him, myself, and a bunch of others were in Mike Walling's class. So yeah, very, oh yeah, I first... know Mike Walling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a great guy too. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, Sebastian is. I just met him up in uh, where were we? Quebec City. Uh huh. For this for Pixel. Pixel, yeah, yeah. And man, he's such a cool dude. Uh huh. Like. Total genuine guy, like, oh, man, I love that guy so much. <laughs> I've only met him, really, for one long weekend, but it was awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, we keep in touch all the time now. And I'm actually going to Poland um, to speak oh, later awesome. this year in Wuj, which is, like, south of Warsaw. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, at this thing called Promised Land. Yeah, I'm super excited to see him again. And to I've never been to Europe before. So. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah and my cool. wife's half Polish. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So has she ever been back there? Yeah, she used to go all the time as a kid. Okay. So because her, you know, her mom is full Polish. Okay. Okay. And, uh, grew up in Warsaw during the uh, communist revolution. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Goodness. And 
and yeah, so she's been back there through her whole childhood. But, okay. Uh, so we're gonna go back together this time and like see her whole extended family That's and all. That's awesome. Stuff. Yeah. Take yeah. the kids. We're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. it's super expensive. <laughs> I, that's what I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I have a 18 month year old, and by the time it's in September, he turns two September 2nd. So we have to pay for him yeah, after he's yeah. two. So it's just like <laughs> another tack on another like 1,200 bucks or something like that. And he's two. I'm like, oh, we could just fake it. Yeah. You know, he still looks like he's under two, but then he has to have a passport that's gonna have his like birthday on it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So, oh, well. Yeah. Well, that'll we'll be a that. very cool experience. That's kind of one of the things that, you know, you're mentioning, you know, a lot of the guys in the game side, a lot of the guys in the feature side. And then here you are now going to go over there because you met Sebastian. And it's just, it's really cool just that even though it's a worldwide <laughs> medium, it's still a very close community. Yeah. Yeah. It is for sure. I mean, um, it's amazing, like, just like how the people you kind of come up with in the animation industry, uh-huh. there's not a lot of in and out, like almost kind of like once you're in, like, I'm pretty much aware of like where everybody's gone. Uh-huh. You all know where, where they're out there and maybe you don't talk to them every day, but maybe you'll work on a project together later on. And it's just like, oh, just pick up where you left that's off. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome, too. Just the network that you create with all your buddies and all that stuff is is really fun. Um that's why I like doing the talking is you get to meet students in places that you wouldn't students and professionals in places that you wouldn't necessarily ever be like I'd never been to Montreal or Quebec before uh-huh. and uh, you meet all these like super passionate kids that want to be animators and you meet other presenters who are just end up always being super cool too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're just kind of like little circle just grows a little bit more every time. Cause you were up there with Sebastian with um, Dave James, went with James, me. Dave and then James Bennett, right? Yeah, James Bennett was there, and okay. then who's the other animator? Who else? There were some people from other, like there was like a lighting supervisor from ILM there. Okay, okay. A couple other things. It was like uh, there was this guy Sven who was like the CG soup on all the Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, oh, and and uh, the other Seb was there, Sebastian oh, Dussault. Oh, Dussault. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's cool. It's yeah, cool. Now, you mentioned uh, the Game of Thrones. I haven't seen much, but I know there was some creature stuff. And you've got to work in a variety of different kinds uh, of characters as well. You've done some creature work as well, right? Um, yeah, I, I suppose your, I have. I thought I was looking at your reel and there was some creature stuff in there. Yeah, there is. I mean, like, I don't know what you count as creature stuff. I mean, the zombies in I Am Legend were kind of creature-y. But Wasn't there anything in, in the of, World of Warcraft, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like... That's actually one of the awesome things about working on WoW is that like every day it's just like some weird thing <laughs> shows up on your plate and you're just like, today this is what you'll be animating. And it's got like 14 legs and like 11 <laughs> heads and like 40 ponytails or something like that. And you're just like, okay. Uh, so that's really cool. There's always just like something new and fun to animate on WoW. Okay. Um, but in terms of the feature side of things, like there's a lot of horses and stuff and Tangled. I yeah, yeah. Fun about horses actually on Tangled. I never animated a horse before, and that was my first shot on that film. Was like <laughs> Flynn looking up, and then like the captain of the guards like slowing down and stopping on a horse and they look over the edge of a cliff and they like yank the reins and then turn the direction of the horse and i was just like no clue what i'm doing for shots man on these on these uh, oh they were so tiny man this was not a killer shot it was like i'm talking about here you know 
here's oh. a first shot on a film and you've never animated horses before. So you're going, okay, you know, you got to yeah. figure I this think, out. I think every animator constantly comes into work every day and just goes like, okay, this is the day I get found out. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the day uh, production finally finds out I've been faking it this entire time and I actually can't animate anything. I got to tell you that that's very reassuring, I think, as a student listening to that. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I remember, you know, you feel like, am I, is this ever going to click, you know? Um, and you realize as a professional who's in that, you still feel that way. And I think it's part of the, the neat part about animation and the frustrating part about animation is that you're constantly learning. So that's what makes it enjoyable and fun. But yeah. yet, it also makes it that frustration because you're like, okay, I, it, always having to learn something new, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times too, like when you're a student, it's really, I, I remember when I was like a, still learning or oh, I'm always learning, but when I was first learning, um, you know, you put these like animators, like up on pedestals, mm-hmm. like Keith Lango would like come to like Ringling and do like a demo. You're like, Keith Lango's got it all figured out. Like, <laughs> Whoa, this guy's awesome. Like I'm going to learn so much from him. And we did, we learned a ton, but you put them on this like pedestal. Right. But at the end of the day, like I still get sweaty. I still, you know, <laughs> uh, I have to go to the bathroom just like everybody else. And it's like, I try to like ground myself in that. I don't want like, I constantly have self-doubt every artist has Mm self-doubt you're not i don't think um if you don't that self-doubt keeps you um humble and hungry keeps you humble and hungry yeah is that you really just kind of like you don't take anything for granted when you have that Mm -hmm. you know and um i think it's a healthy amount it's not like disabling but it is kind of like you know what today um i just want to check my emotions right now and just be like, you know what? Okay. I'm not feeling like this blocking is looking too good, but it'll get better, yeah, you know? And then inevitably it always does. Right. Yeah. Cause I always end up looking back at the stuff I've done and being like, Oh, you know, actually this is pretty nice. Like, <laughs> I kind of like what I did here. Or, right. Right. You know, I, 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 the shot didn't turn out as bad as I thought it was. There are some stinkers in there. Trust me. <laughs> uh, but the cool thing is, is I show those to my students, you know, actually I did a talk up in Portland one year at this thing called 3D PDX, which is like their Maya user group in mm. Portland. And I love the city of Portland. It's such a cool town. I wish I could live there. I did a talk up there that was only my stinkers. You know, it was like my senior thesis at school, just like shots I didn't like or shots that like I thought went wrong. Just to be like, listen, like it's not all awesome. Mm. The awesome stuff or the stuff I think is awesome goes on my demo reel. But here's where I was learning. Mm. And after the shot, look, this thesis is a mess. Here's why it's a mess. I didn't do this. I didn't communicate correctly. There's no appealing poses. The weight is wrong. And I just try to show the bad stuff so so that the good stuff, I think, is more appreciated, I guess. Right, right. You know? Yeah. What advice would you give then to maybe students or people in the industry that you could pass along? Maybe some advice that you'd received that just stuck with you or maybe just something that you've kind of learned throughout the years? Um, be nice to everybody. That's a huge one. Uh. You know, they don't talk about that a lot. They'll talk about like workflow stuff, but on a personal side, you work with people every day. Mm-hmm. You know, being nice to people is huge it in terms of way. yeah, it's the only way to go, man. Because uh, talent will only get you so far. But if you don't like working with that person, <laughs> I remember the people I don't like working with. If I'm ever in a position to hire, I will remember those people. You know. <laughs> So it's like, and I'm sure it's the same for them too. So it's like, 
just be nice to everybody. You know, you don't have to like everybody, but you should at least be nice to everybody. Um, no job is too good for you. You know, like, don't have an ego, especially starting out about, like, oh, this is just, like, public access uh, CG animation that I'm doing. It's experience. Mm. You know, it's like you're doing something, you're making something. Like, animation is... Um, some people are fortunate enough to be, like, just gifted with that. You know, like, there were people that I would go to, that I went to school with that were so much better than me as artists and as animators. And just, like, they just got it, you know? Um, I've had to work hard to learn it. Most people have to work hard mm-hmm. to learn it. And it's a process of practice and iteration. You know, you don't just like most people don't bust out an animation and go like, you know what? That's it. That's the one <laughs> done one and done. It's like, yeah, you have a bunch of really crappy animations that you do and you fail. And then, um, you do it, you know, you, you do, you pick up and you do another one. I think somebody, I think, um, what did Ed Catmull say? Uh, fail often, fail quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I try to just yep. like hang on to that um, as much as possible. And I always say it in my first class of the semester too, where I just go like, "Listen, you're gonna screw <laughs> up, but pick yourself up quickly and don't ruminate on it, and just like keep going, just keep swimming." You know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the big stuff I would say. You know, yeah. be nice to people, work hard, don't be a jerk. Nobody likes jerks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going through some of my uh, other uh, questions here. That's okay, man. Uh, I'll try to think of something, too. You mentioned workflow. Has your workflow – obviously, it's changed from the beginning. You changed back at Disney. How, how does your workflow now working in games? Um, I My workflow always changes. So it's kind of like I don't, um, I don't like sticking to one particular way. Each – like animation or each shot that you're working on has like a different set of challenges and i think there are easier and harder ways to go about each shot so i just try to pick the way that'll make me get my idea out there the clearest and the fastest so for for instance like on wow it's a lot of layered animation for me because i'm cycling everything so i i'm starting with like the root on most characters like especially on a run cycle right something like that like i don't block out the poses right away, like the the foot contacts and then the passing pose and all that stuff. I get the character in a passing pose, right? Like, like arms in the air, uh-huh. legs splayed out, everything in FK. And then I take the root and then I just, in the graph editor, massage the TY over the root to get that, translate Y, to get that um, kind of cadence of the run. Because I heard, I heard this great, um, I think it was Michael Markevich. I went to this event at the animation collab for, from the animation collaborative mm-hmm. in San Francisco, like a month ago. Okay. And it was awesome. It was at the Walt Disney museum and there was a lot of great talks. Cool. And I sat on this workshop with Michael cause I'm always trying to learn and be humble and That's not awesome. be above all that other stuff. I sat on this talk at Michael, I think his last name is Markevich or I think I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I'm not sure. He's at Pixar. Yeah. But he works layered too. And not a lot of people I know at work, um, a couple people work layered, but most people work um, stepped. Like Kevin's a really big step guy. Okay. And um, and I'll do it too, but he said, like, listen, if you told me to paint a painting, I couldn't start from the left-hand side, finish a strip of the left-hand side, and then move one strip over and then finish. <laughs> like, I can't do that. 
we're painting a landscape. I can do blue. You know, like I can paint a big thing of blue and the ground. Oh, that's brown. I'll paint all that brown. So that's kind of like almost the differences between the two animation the mm. styles, you know, like stepped and layered. Stepped is like you're getting those poses and you're posing down to like the fingers, the eyelids, like all that minutia. You're trying to just like capture in that pose. And that's really awesome, especially for like big acting shots or anywhere where you're going like all over the screen and you know like, oh, I need to hit this mark by this time and this mark by this time. So I want to make sure I have my golden poses in there. Layered animation is more like kind of like, let me give you like the idea of a run and just duh, 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 duh. you get your character doing this, pop, popping up and down. And then you just kind of apply like if then principles. If the root of the character is going like this, then I know my chest is going to have to overlap two mm-hmm. frames later or whatever. Okay. And it's just the amount that it overlaps or the amount that the chest twists that you're kind of like designing the cycle. So it's a lot of like graph editor work. Okay. So I do that a lot at work. And that's probably like 80% of the animations I do. It starts off as, as layered. And then sometimes when I have to do emotes or something where there's like a lot of big pose changes, I'll switch to like a step mode and just like get all my golden poses in there and, and then in between from that. I like to break down really, really small before I switch to spline. Just because, okay. Because I hate, um, I love cleaning up animation, but I hate when it's hard. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so I break down as much as I can. And, tr- and I always try to tell my students to just like try to, um, you need to give me as much information of how you got from point A to point B. And those are your breakdowns, right? Uh-huh. You've got your anticipation on frame one and you've got your extreme on frame eight. Well, what happens in the, the in-between is almost more interesting than when it happens before and after. So I'll do like a lot of breaking down of things so that by the time I'm ready to spline, you could hit play in my Maya scene and basically see what you're going to get. Gotcha. And product. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, but it's constantly evolving. You know, sometimes you'll see some, a way that somebody works and you just go, like, I'm a total copier. That's how I learned how to be an artist as a kid, you know? Like, um, some of my early artistic influences were, like, um, I'm a huge nerd. So <laughs> I played um, – I had a really – I had a weird junior high school high school because I knew I liked nerd stuff, but I tried to deny it all throughout <laughs> junior high school and high school. So, like, I'd play Dungeons & Dragons with my friends, and I'd play Magic, and I'd, like, read fantasy books like Tolkien, and, like, uh-huh. I'd read the Dragonlance novels and all that stuff. And then, but at the, I was still, like, trying to, like, go to parties and, like, hang out with the cool kids. And I just never realized that the cool cool kids the whole time were just like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Whose magic cards are these, huh? And yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, those, those must have fallen out of somebody else's pocket. That's a nerd right there. So I kind of denied that the entire time. But so some of my early artistic influences were artists that I saw in early Dungeons and Dragons, like campaign settings and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I really got heavy into this guy, Tony DiTerlizzi. And he was really influenced by this other guy, Arthur Rackham, who's like an older illustrator, did like Alice in Wonderland, British guy Mm. from like the 1800s. And uh, I totally got into that style and I learned to draw by copying his drawings out of out of like the monstrous compendium or whatever, or the player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, that that's how I learn best. Mm-hmm. So if I see something in animation that I'm like, wow, this person's doing something I've never even thought of, I'll just do that and next. Yeah, yeah. Throw myself into it and try to emulate what I'm seeing and then, you know, probably fail the first time and then get better and better and better until I eventually, you know, I'm real good at it. That's, I think, a pretty good way for most artists, you know? Everybody's always inspired. 
you can't make your own original art unless nobody is not inspired by somebody. Right, you, right. We're all influenced by art that we see all around us, and you're just your own take on it is basically just like I always tell students as well. Like when you're doing animation, look, you could just take your reference and copy all those poses, and you would have a moving animated character. But the point of animation is to take what you see, run it through the Larry filter or the Jeremy filter, and then spit it back out into the world so we can see like how you see things. Gotcha. You know? And that's where the art comes from in animation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making things move is just locomotion, but animation is when you're interpreting something that you see and making it move. That's time. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, man. So now what else do you enjoy doing maybe outside of animation? I have two kids. Okay. So That's, that'll keep you busy. <laughs> I have two kids and they're young. I, Griffin's um, almost four and Reed is um, uh, a year and a half or 18 months. Eight, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. 18 months. Um, fun fact too, myself, my wife and Griffin and our dog Hoggle, our pug are all in world of Warcraft. Oh no. What? Yeah. There's, um, <laughs> I had them added during the Mist of Pandaria expansion. So you can go to this place called the secret airy, which is like, um, high up. It's like this crack in a mountain. And if you go in this one certain hut, like, like straw hut, there's, um, it's called Hawk, Hawkmaster J or Hawkmaster Jer. Uh, and my wife is called, my wife's name is Anna. I forget what her name is. Hawkmaster Anna, probably. And then our little son Griffin is a baby Griffin, um, <laughs> circling the room. He's like flying. And then our dog Hoggle is there and there's like this big steaming pile of poop on the floor. <laughs> um, so we're all in the game. We have to add Reed. He was, he was born after they got added. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So I run around after them most of my life. Uh, they're, they're, um. They're crazy. That's very important, though. Yeah, yeah. They, they, um, and we we love it too because um, the house here in Tustin, and we ju- we just bought it like a, about a year ago, and just the kids have a backyard, and there's like a pool, and it's a tiny house, but it's like we'd been living in apartments up to this point, and we had rented a couple houses, but they weren't very big. It's just so it, it's so great to see my kids play in the, their own backyard, which very is cool. really really nice, and we're so, we feel so fortunate. To have that in like California, which is like super expensive, everywhere. Um, so I run around after them a lot, and um, when I'm not doing that, I do like typical nerdy stuff. Like I play D and D at work. I um, I'm starting to get back into magic actually, <laughs> after years of hiatus. But I don't know. I like the challenge, and I enjoy playing against people. It's a cool way to meet people too at like events, like Friday Night Magic at your uh, local game store. Okay. Um, I really like the woods. My wife and I like camp. go and camp That's and awesome. hike a lot. Um, I'm big into like craft beer. Okay. And like just brewing in general. I drink so a can... lot of IPAs. <laughs> What's IPAs? Oh, uh, India Pale Ales. It's like a style of craft beer. Okay, okay. You live in California, right? Yeah, yeah. You never heard of IPA? Uh-uh. Really? Yeah. Do you drink beer? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. So yeah, I wasn't familiar with that. Okay, I just... They're everywhere. Okay. California loves them. It's like a summery type beer. Okay. I don't know. It's good. <laughs> You're the uh, connoisseur of beer. <laughs> yeah, the beer sommelier. Um, yeah, and I play a lot of video games. Man. Okay. So Any faves? Not... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, if I were to do like a top five. Let's hear a top five. Uh, Dark Souls. 
would uh, definitely be in my top five. Not familiar with that one. Fantastic game from a Japanese developer called From Software. Uh, man, it's what, what kind? Um, RPG is it? A, uh, yeah, it's an RPG. It's like a third-person action RPG kind okay. of. Okay. It's known for being incredibly hard, like skill-wise. So I'm gonna talk about Dark Souls now. Uh, Dark Souls is awesome. The the whole game is like. You could play through the whole game and not know what the story is, but if you really drill down into the game, like item descriptions and like weird off things that NPCs say, you could piece together this bigger story and it's an awesome story, Mm. but you just have to like want to find it almost. So I love that about it, right? It's not like in your face, like here's what you have to do. Here's your story. Mm -hmm. It's open world. You can do whatever you want. Go whichever direction you want from the beginning of that. But the combat is all skill-based. So it's not like... Um, there are stats in the game and you do like quote unquote level up, but like fighting enemies is like how fast you can react to their tells. So they're going to do like a big anticipation and you know, they're going to swing. So you have to dodge left, dodge right, and just be quicker than them, rotate around them. You can like parry them and then attack. It's really, really cool. That's awesome. Um, it's worth checking out. So that's probably one of my favorite games. Um, Zelda for sure. Yes. Yeah, so Big like original Zelda. Zelda. My favorite Zelda is probably uh, Link to the Past, the SNES one. Really? Okay. Yeah. That was side scroll, right? No, uh, no, Link no. To the Past is okay. Yeah, top view, uh, like the original, but uh, better like graphics. SNES yeah. graphics. Yeah, 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 you're thinking um, Link's Journey. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that one. No, me either. Um, I don't like that one much at all. Yeah. I didn't like it. It's really cryptic too. It's like you don't know what to do a lot of the time, and yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. Um. So like Zelda, so Link to the Past and Wind Waker are probably my two favorite Zelda games. Very cool. More than uh, uh, Ocarina of Time, huh? I like Ocarina a lot, but I like Wind Waker a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Wind Waker's blast. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably Ocarina's probably third, and then Majora's Mask is fourth. Mm, okay. Uh, and then Twilight Princess, and so yeah. <laughs> uh, I like those games a lot. Uh, what are some? Let me look at my Steam real quick. I should have these off the top of my head, but um, you know, I played um, I played through part of The Witcher, and I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Uh, oh, I should also mention Psychonauts. Psychonauts is my definitely in my top five. That was uh, for. That's a Double Fine game. A, a what? Double Fine is the name of the company. That okay, but is that, that was that for like the uh, PlayStation or uh, uh, Xbox? Handheld? Okay. It came out in the original for the original Xbox. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I remember which one that one has. Yeah, I it's kind of like cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love Tim Schafer's games. So Tim Schafer made like um, Maniac Mansion mm. on the NES. Okay. And then he made Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle and a bunch of like kind of like old LucasArts point and click adventure games. Uh-huh. And recently he just made this game called Broken Age where he goes back to making point and click adventure games. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. But Psychonauts is like by far one of my favorite platformers of all time. It's, all right. The story in that in that game is incredible. I love it. Um, I've been playing Hyper Light Drifter recently. That's really fun. Never I don't know that. if it's in my top five, but it's an <laughs> indie game. Oh, definitely in my top five, Baldur's Gate. Okay. But even ahead of that, Planescape Torment. Have you ever played that? Uh-uh. So Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment are old CRPGs, so computer role-playing games. Uh-huh. Uh, that came out just for the PC, probably in like the late '90s. But they're just like, in terms of story, they're just fantastic. Is this now, like uh, 
the like the King's Quests and uh, uh kind of it's a little deeper than King's Quest. Okay. King's Quest is like like you're solving puzzles by like using items yeah, and like yeah, talking yeah. to the right people at the right time. Uh-huh answering the right questions the right way this is more like you're looking like top down three quarter view like almost like diablo okay camera and then uh it's a real dialogue heavy and the combat is like um real time but you can pause it and then choose actions for all your guys to do okay it's um like I got a soft spot for it because Planescape was the setting that that guy I was telling you about, Tony DiTrelizzi, worked on. It was like his art for the whole setting, and I just like I still to this day love it. It's great. <laughs> the ideas cool. in it are just so incredibly creative to me. So that game is like real super special place for me. I really like that game. If you could, uh, any desire to make your own games, indie. Oh. Every single day of my life, man. <laughs> I've got all these ideas, and it's like the problem is just like money, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah. unless you have some sort of like VC or like angel investor or something like that really backing you up, it's uh-huh. hard to it's hard to go that route. Especially when I got three human mouths yep, and yep, one yep. dog mouth to feed. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So one day I will make my own game for sure, and I'll get to use some of those ideas but Very cool. for now I'm, I'm happy at blizzard awesome you know, making other people's games there That's you a- go you have to pitch it to them sometime huh yeah they're actually surprisingly really open to that stuff that's very cool um they encourage people to just kind of like you know be creative on on your own time like uh-huh. you don't have to and that's the other thing too is it's a lesson i learned lately is that it's not work's job to make you a better artist mm. and i think i probably went into that thinking early on like you know i'm supposed to be improving by coming to work and animating every day well that's i what i do but that's not work's job to make me a better artist it's my job so i have to come home and like i do that personal work because i want to enrich myself you know right so um that was a tough pill to swallow you know like i didn't i didn't um i didn't realize that until just recently that uh it was kind of my job to make myself better that's great great advice man yeah very cool well i've had a blast talking with you about this oh yeah same man appreciate you being a part of iAnimate it's been really cool and uh yeah again just really thank you for joining us in this podcast yeah thank you larry thanks for having me awesome all right take care (laughs) 